Genesis. This is our third episode. The theme this week is dinosaurs. Yep, they're big, they're scary, they step on people. Well, they're multiple sizes. Yeah, I guess. There's they're... like little ones that aren't there, ones that are like the size of squirrels. Yeah, well, not in the movie we're going to talk yeah. about today. <laughs> no, they weren't. There's mainly one big one fought off by other big ones. Right. So again, welcome in. Um, this is going to be our third episode, which is cool. We hope you guys are listening to everyone and hope you're enjoying them. Um, the theme this week is dinosaurs, so we naturally uh, saw Jurassic World, uh, the, the recent release. And then we also um, listened to Ty Seagal's most recent, or no, not his most recent album, but his most recently released or re-released album, uh, Ty Rex, so that ties in. Right. And finally, um, we are drinking Kona Pipeline Porter. Ethan, Correct. this is your call. Yeah, Kona Brewing Company made this beer, which is located in Hawaii. Um, and we picked this not because it necessarily directly relates to our theme of dinosaur, but uh, a large portion of the movie Jurassic World was filmed in Hawaii, so it seemed appropriate uh, a beer to pick, I think. Um, didn't have to go too far out of my way to find this one. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it fits in nicely. I think it was uh, the movie was filmed on a couple of different islands there, and this specific beer uh, is brewed on... I believe Kona is on the big island in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And you were actually at the part where it was filmed, or a portion of it was filmed. Right, right. When uh, my wife and myself were in Hawaii recently, we uh, toured one of the valleys where they filmed a portion of Jurassic World, so we saw a couple bits and pieces from it, which was which was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. another reason kind of why I thought this was a good route to go this week. Yeah, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful... It was all shot in one, wasn't it like one valley, or was it kind of this big area? Well, it, it, well, parts of it were shot there. If you look on IMDb and look at some of the filming locations, it was a little bit on different islands, but uh, we didn't go to all the different islands. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, there's this one specific valley, I can't pronounce it, it's a crazy Hawaii na Hawaiian name, like Kawalawawa Ranch. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's that's where they filmed part of it. They filmed other a lot of other things there. Uh, they filmed a bunch of Lost there. Uh, the movie Pearl Harbor, uh, scenes from the, the original Jurassic Park movie. It's it's a very famous location, and actually when we were there, they were building sets for the upcoming uh, King Kong movie they're doing. So that was kind of cool to see. See it in action. and So yeah, um, also just to let everyone out there know, uh, we will be playing bits and pieces of Ty Seagal's album that, throughout the different breaks, so you can hear that. Um, but anyways, let's let's move on to the theme this week, which is dinosaurs. And um, as far as the definition goes, um, it is a noun, obviously. We, we're picking words, but this week, again, it was a noun. Uh, it's a fossil reptile from the Mesozoic era, often reaching an enormous size. Um, and the other definition is a person or thing that is outdated or has become obsolete because of failure to adapt to changing circumstances. It's sad. Which is sad. And I, I was kind of surprised <laughs> to see that as, as the definition. Yeah, well, I guess, it, you know, dinosaur can be a figure of speech, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're a dinosaur. You know, you're this old thing that's attempting to remain relevant, but inevitably will die out. Will die out eventually. Well, look Hopefully at us. We thought we, we thought we picked a happy topic this week. But now it's, yeah, we're back to sad. God, <laughs> good Lord. But um, also, too, just the origin of it, um, it's Greek and, and Latin, like I think everything is in our, in our language. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the second definition really, really, really threw me off. Like I was expecting to see it, um, you know, be the fossil reptile or reference to what we know as dinosaurs. But yeah, an outdated um, thing. Yeah. But um, what, what, is, what is dinosaur? What do dinosaurs mean to you? 
Well, I mean, I think dinosaurs are pretty cool. Uh, I grew mm -hmm. up watching Jurassic World, and I had a book about dinosaurs when I was a kid, and I think a couple of, you know, educational nature-type shows on VHS that I used to love when I was growing up, and I was always fascinated with how big they supposedly were. Uh, and just the idea of such large creatures roaming the same world around now is it's pretty crazy. But uh, it's also interesting look, watching movies like Jurassic Park or Jurassic World and reading books about it or seeing any educational documentary about it. And really, it's interesting how so much of that knowledge is just speculation. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of filling in the blanks. And uh, that makes them kind of in uh, mysterious as well. Yeah. And I'm kind of in the same boat. To me, it's always been been sort of a mystery. I was always, like, just enamored with them. Like, when you go to a museum and you see the big, you know, fossil and stuff. And But it, to me, it was always, like, this big mystery of, um, like, what, you know, how did they, like, leave the Earth? What was their world like? But, yeah, like like you said, even fossils, aren't they, like, something like only 60% or less than... It's, like, these couple bones they find right. and they add a lot of stuff in. I don't believe any complete skeleton or, or anything of a dinosaur has ever been found and uh, a lot of it is just yeah filling in the blanks what well, how big were these things how exactly did they eat what did they eat uh, how did they mate you know mm -hmm. stuff like that a lot of a lot of that information uh, isn't as well known as I used to probably think mm -hmm. due to entertainment but uh, yeah dinosaurs are cool <laughs> yeah they are and it's it's one of those things that I'm surprised we don't see more movies about them, but then again, the I think the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World dynasty kind of right. kind of got it. But then again, The Good Dinosaur is, is a so, cartoon film, which is out right now. Right, well, and then you know, looking back, movies like The Land Before Time, which were a very long-running series of, of, of children movies, those are all about dinosaurs. And there's been a, a, a sprinkling of dinosaur movies and entertainment from, from uh, different times in the last couple of decades but mm -hmm. uh yeah i think they're they deserve more attention that's true because <laughs> you think about it most of the movies now are about like war and violence and so i mean it'd be better to have a lot more dinosaur movies i don't know they're pretty violent themselves though. they are true and that's the thing it always goes there because t-rex let's be honest a movie about like I don't know. Uh, that's really sad. I don't know another dinosaur <laughs> name. But like just a movie about Stegosaurus. Those, Stegosaurus would be, it was like, meh, you know. Whereas T-Rex, some T-Rex running around ripping stuff apart. Yeah, those are, that's, yeah, everybody loves t t the T-Rex. Yeah, it's glorified. Well, on to, um, on to some news items. Unfortunately, we were trying to be more upbeat, but um, two, two news bits that are quite sad, unfortunately, uh, from the music world. Uh, Scott Wieland, who's uh, best known as the lead vocalist for the Stone Temple Pilots, and also the supergroup Velvet Revolver. People right. can't forget that project. Uh, passed away in what appears to be a drug-related death. He was 48 years old. Um, and while he did battle personal problems throughout his life, we're definitely thankful for the, the music that he provided us. But pretty pretty sad news when I when I first heard that. I was a, a big Stone Temple Pilots fan for some time. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. And it's just it's one of those names that, unfortunately, we haven't heard a whole lot of in the last however many years they really were stone temple pilots were really in their prime well over a decade ago but mm -hmm. they're uh, still a band that his their their legacy has persisted and their their music is played their albums are popular uh so hearing somebody who had tried to kind of make it on his own and be more of a uh, uh independent artist himself and kind of invent his own name uh to see him die like this it's it's a shame yeah and there's still, I did say it was a drug, they don't know for sure yet, it's still kind of up in the air, they, they found him in his tour bus 
um, unconscious and unresponsive. So, um, but yeah, obviously, you know, we wish his family all the best as they deal with this tragedy, but sad to see, see that, uh, that legend fall and a legend, not, not falling, but retiring Neil Pert of, uh, one of your favorite groups, Rush. Right. Yeah. He, uh, well, allegedly has retired and the rumor mill has kind of been going for this for quite a while. Uh, I mean, even before this final Rush 40th anniversary tour, uh, that they did last year and concluded recently. Um, he, he said in interviews over the last five years or so that he was kind of getting tired. He's been having some uh, health issues, nothing serious, but I think tendonitis is an issue he's had. He's kind of had a tough life at home with uh, his family and losing some very uh, close members of his family. Uh, so I, I mean, it's not a total surprise, especially since they did basically say that this last tour would be ultimately their final, at least major tour, but from some of the news trickling out this week, it does sound like he doesn't have any interest in recording or touring anymore, which is sad, but 40 years of, of recording. That's uh, incredible. Yeah, they have over 20, 25 studio albums out. It's, it's an incredible legacy, and for him to have had the opportunity to have a full career and retire on his own terms, is it's a pretty rare thing, and he seems like such a nice, wholesome guy. Rush was never a band you saw headlining tabloids about the terrible things they were doing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's unfortunate uh, as a Rush fan to know that we may never hear any more new material, but they certainly have a lot to revisit. That's true, and I'm just amazed that 40 years of, of being a band and touring, and um, he was, was quoted as saying um, that, um, you know, while it, while it does pay me to realize that, like all athletes, there comes a time they need to take yourself out of the game. I think, I guess I didn't think of it until I read that. Like a lot of these guys, when they're jumping around on stage and doing this crazy stuff in front of people, they're they're beating on their bodies pretty good. Right, and I don't think he ever was quite crazy enough to jump around and stuff because mm -hmm. I mean, he was surrounded by drums, but I can't imagine be, being so prolific on drums and hitting so many different individual items on his drum set. I mean, doing that for that long has got to take a physical toll. Yeah. And I think that that's playing a big role, but also he wants to spend more time with his family, which makes sense. And it's, in, in a lot of ways, it's good to see somebody go out really in some ways at the top of their game versus trying to, to milk it and uh, uh, having their quality decline as a result. So it's good and bad. Uh, it mm -hmm. bums me out, like I said, but yeah, it's good to see him go out on his own terms, too. Well, and it's I, not like Rush will just stop altogether. I mean, their, their music will live on. It's very, right. very well known. It's very... I mean, you're a huge, huge fan. You've seen them five, five times right. in total. And I did get to see them on this final tour as mm -hmm. well, so that was nice. But I, honestly, I think they probably will, after one or two years, do what ACDC did, maybe get drawn back into one or two kind of the mini tours that you see these older rock bands do. Yeah, I'm not convinced. Yeah, ACDC, those, I think they just need to... Yeah. <laughs> That's just, they're so, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. Maybe you'll see him do a concert every now and then or something. But I. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not gonna hold my breath. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, on this episode, like we said, we're doing dinosaurs, so we're gonna review um, Jurassic World, which Ethan, do you want me to say it? We did see in 3D. Three Dizzle. No, I just didn't. <laughs> I didn't want you to introduce the movie as Jurassic World, World 3D. 3D. No, but. Um, <laughs> 
We'll be reviewing that. Also, Ty Segal's album, uh, Ty Rex. It's awards season, so we'll be talking about the SAG Awards, which were just announced today. Yep, and tomorrow, actually, the Golden Globes will be, the, Go the Golden Globe nominations will be announced as well. It's a really exciting time, so, yeah, we have our, our review items and some other news so, topics to talk about. Yeah, along with the Grammys as well. Those, yes. got, those got announced, so... Lots and lots and lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, again, during the break, you'll be hearing Ty Seagal's uh, music from his album Tyrex. This is Weekly Neurosis, Episode 3. We'll be right back. to talk about uh, our movie of the week that fits into our theme of the week which is dinosaur dinosaur and it, i hope that's a foreign language version of that. but anyways jurassic world ethan tell us about it all right jurassic world uh this movie is about an island uh located off the coast of costa rica uh the name of the resort is simple enough jurassic world uh and it provides a habitat for an array of genetically engineered dinosaurs including the vicious and intelligence intelligent Indominus Rex. When the massive creature escapes, it sets off a chain reaction that causes the other dinos to run amok. Uh, now it's up to a former military man and animal expert played by none other than Chris Pratt to use his special skills to save two young brothers and the rest of the tourists from an all-out prehistoric assault. Uh, this movie, some more information, this movie is directed by a fella named Colin Trev Trevorrow. That's a confusing one. Trevorrow. It's kind of like Tomorrow. Uh, Colin Trevorrow. Uh, he directed a movie I really liked, kind of an indie comedy sci-fi movie called Safety Not Guaranteed. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's also going to be directing, in lieu, not just a sequel to this movie we're going to talk about, but he's also directing Star Wars Episode Nine, uh, which will be the final movie in this new Star Wars trilogy, which kicks off next week. Uh, so it's interesting that this guy is going to be going on to direct that. So people clearly liked what they got here. Yeah. Uh, so all the people who were involved in this movie, uh, it was based on characters created by Michael Crichton, who wrote the original Jurassic Park novel, and scored by the famous Michael Giacchino, or Giacchino, not sure how you pronounce that either. Uh, he's known for his work on Lost. He won an Oscar for his score for the movie Up. And like I said, the movie stars Chris Pratt, but also stars Bryce Dallas Howard and Vincent D'Onofrio. And uh, this movie was a huge hit. It's the number one movie of the year so far and worldwide. It scored 1.669 billion uh, and well over, uh, I believe, at least, I think, about 700 million just in North America. That's, that is incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. That, that plot was also immensely concise. That was so good. That was, was, that from, was that from, like, Wikipedia? I don't know. I, you're the one who who picked it. Did I? Oh, I did write it. I, I may have. I I kind of went off <laughs> a little bit there. No, but that's like so concise. But yeah, that that, that was the story. But I that is a, just a one point six, almost one point seven billion with a capital B dollars. Yeah, the, the, it was definitely a popular movie. But more importantly, what did you think about Jurassic World? Oh, and before you say anything, we did watch this movie in three D. Three Dizzle. And uh, yeah, <laughs> brings a different dimension. I think it makes movies just plain 
flat out more entertaining. I like 3D. Yeah. People hate on it, but come on, how spoiled are you? It's, it's like it's, it's like, a it's a cool technology, and people complain about it. Ugh, people are ridiculous. To me, that's like hating on kittens because you're a dog person. Yeah. yeah, like I like you it. You know, that's good. But um, overall, I mean, it was a blockbuster. There's right. no way no way around it. It had all the classic. Um, blockbuster moments, the drama, but it had that, that's some of those things that just don't make a whole lot of sense. Like you watch it and you're like, that would not happen in, in anywhere else but the movies. I mean, overall, I liked it. It, it kept me entertained, um, kept me on the edge of my seat, um, did all the, all the things that a blockbuster should do. I think there were some things that they could have done a little better, like the last fight scene. I thought maybe they could have switched up the location of where it happened because it, it just reminded me too much of like Transformers. It just oh. <laughs> I watched that scene and I was like I'm watching Transformers right now. Okay. Um, but the kid and the kid acting wasn't the best. Right. To not to hate on children, but Bryce Dallas Bryce Dallas Howard, Chris Pratt, Vincent D'Onofrio, they were all good. Right. They are good. You know, they're kind of par for the course. But overall, I was kind of lukewarm to it. How about you? Well, if, uh, this was my second time seeing it when we watched it last night. I had actually seen this in theaters once and. I really didn't like it very much when I saw it in theaters. I didn't really have high expectations, so walking out of the theater dis disappointed was disappointing. Mm -hmm. But uh, watching this again at home, I was more relaxed. I don't know, I was just in a different mindset, but I enjoyed this a lot more the second time. Like you said, it's really pretty stupid. Mm -hmm. This movie could be called Bad Decisions of the Movie, probably. Cause yeah, pretty much. Everybody's dumb in this movie. They make bad decisions, very easily avoidable. But it's just dumb fun. You can't really think too much about those things when you go into a movie like this. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not a lot going on here in terms of, stu of substance, but it's, it's, it's a spectacle. Mm -hmm. There's giant dinosaurs eating people, attacking each other. Uh, there's, there's car chases, uh, basically. You know? I mean, it's, just, it's an action movie. It, it's well-paced. Mm -hmm. uh, although the movie's predictable, I think it moves along at a good enough pace i agree with you on that big time because it, it was very like even like not even keel but it moved things along in a nice way you weren't all of a sudden like whoa what the hell you know it was it right kind of flowed along nicely yeah you know i guess with that though my only complaint in terms of its pacing is i do think since it is pretty predictable mm -hmm. it, it's maybe a little too long there are certain parts where you know exactly what's going to happen so maybe they could have shaved uh some of it down but no i agree with you too that the acting for the most part with the major characters, it was good. I could have done without the kids in general. Yeah, I th and that's the thing. I thought they could have used taken that plot. Because the kids don't... They never really add anything. I mean, they add excitement. They add... And to me, there's a scene where they, like, go into that warehouse. I was like, okay, you know, you're doing the nuance thing with, like, the old... Look at the old... Yeah. Look at the old Jeeps. They and... were really there for two reasons. They were there for one reason, to mirror the original Jurassic Park movie, mm -hmm. where we saw the kids off on their own trying to survive. And it gave the other characters a reason to have to put themselves in danger's way mm -hmm. and make the story more exciting. I just thought the kids were kind of annoying, and they added a little bit of backstory about their parents are getting divorced, and all that stuff could have been done away with. I thought it was kind of... And even, you know, the characters I liked, by played by Chris Pratt, they're really one-dimensional characters. Yeah. I mean, he's the typical hero. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but, uh, again, it kind of lends to how predictable the movie was, but I yeah. don't know. And I, I was 50-50. I thought the older of the two kids in the, the movie, he was okay. Mm -hmm. just, I thought the younger one was just, just shit. I mean, it, <laughs> there's, like, no toys there. All he did was cry. Yeah. Throughout the whole movie, it's like they couldn't get him to do anything else. They're like, "Okay, cry again." Like, yeah. Okay, cry now. It's 
that you know, but that's part of the part of the biz. I get it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Though overall, I I like it. I think it's entertaining. I think there's a time and a place for a movie like this. Uh, we could talk about the special effects in this movie. Yeah. I think they're pretty awesome, especially the dinosaurs. All mm-hmm. look really good for a movie that's really dominated by you know, CGI effects. They look really good. The only real complaints I have with the special effects is a lot of the. Uh, the buildings and Jurassic World in general, and when you get wide shots of where it's placed in this valley and everything, that that to me is where it looked the weakest. Mm-hmm. Where they clearly didn't make a lot of sets for this. It was a, it was a little bit of an overkill, which I think we're both pretty used to these days with how much CGI is used. But for the most part, the special effects were great. Yeah, I thought the dinosaurs were awesome. They looked awesome. The effects were good. I agree with you though that like the villain, because you told me you were there at that one where that one um, shot was of like. Jurassic World and they come over the hill on that tram or whatever. Right. And you said the only thing that was real, I think, was that, like, bunker thing at the top. Right. right? In, in the movie, in the resort, you kind of have the main resort area with all the different attractions and exhibits and everything. And then kind of off up in the mountains a little bit away from that is the the control center, basically, where, yeah. where everything is run, all the electronics and security and stuff is run out of. From when I was... In this valley, that was really the only set that was... I'm sure more was built, but that was the only thing still left there. And you could just barely see it up in there. But everything else, you could tell just by looking at this movie, was CGI. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it looked... <coughs> excuse me. It's not like it looked bad. It just... There was too much of it. Yeah. And it kind of took away from it. But luckily, it doesn't... It, there's not a lot of that. It really focuses on the dinosaurs, which yeah. is good. Which those, again, those were awesome. Overall, it serves a purpose. This is a film that serves a purpose. That's to entertain. I think a lot of, to comment on the amount of money it made, was that this movie was, like, marketed to the 10th degree. Like, they, every avenue they plausibly could get, they got to. And and it was just, like, like Star Wars is right now. But it was even more so, I feel like, just with Jurassic World blizzards and Jurassic World this and Jurassic World that and... Sure. So that that had something to do with it. Which you made an interesting comment about the this movie making so much money is that people had to go back and back and back to make that amount of money. Right. It's not just, and it's not even just that. It's that when a movie makes as much as this did, it's bringing people into theaters who don't necessarily go very mm-hmm. often. This it's a kind of quote unquote event movie um, that doesn't come out very often, and it attracts a general audience. Uh, and I think with this particular movie, I can see why this one was so popular because it's really pretty inoffensive and bland. That sounds very negative, but uh, I think that unfortunately attracts a lot of people. It's not trying to do anything too crazy that's going to shock people. It's trying to be very traditional in a beginning, middle, and end type way with characters that we can easily relate to. There's not a lot of gray area or anything. It's just a straight-up popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I appreciate yeah, that. Good way to, yeah, good way to describe it. However, I will say, I do, and this is my super film nerd, just movie Nazi <laughs> person coming out in me. I do think there's almost something negative about calling a movie good enough. Mm-hmm. And I think with this movie, it's easy to say it was good enough. Like everything we've said, it's entertaining. It's got all the bits and pieces, but it's ultimately kind of in one ear, out the other. I think that being good enough is fine, but what kind of bar does it set for filmmakers? What does that say for this guy who's going on to direct one of the next major Star Wars movies? I hope he doesn't take it as easy with the story as uh, he did here on a movie like that. 
-hmm. Because if a movie like this is good enough for general audiences, I think it's going to make major studios work less and less to make something truly exceptional. Now, I don't think that's necessarily a rule of blockbusters, but it does kind of worry me to see a movie like this that, while it's entertaining and enjoyable, it's so easy to digest that there's almost nothing to it. Mm -hmm. It bothers me just a little bit. Uh, so that was something that's kind of been in the back of my mind since I saw this for the first time. Yeah, and I think I'm kind of programmed in that 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 way where I expect movies to or filmmakers to put out exceptional products. You know, they put out exceptional movies, and this this to me was like way 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 too safe. Like right. everything was was okay. They didn't they never really dealt. One thing that drove me up a wall is that they never really dealt with death. I mean, like. You occasionally saw like blood trickle through the leaves, but there's that scene where like these soldiers are getting killed, and all you see <laughs> is this flat line graphic. And I was like, just show them like they're dying. Just yeah. be real. Well, like yeah, I and then again, it's it's got to be PG thirteen. It's got to be you know right. so little kids can go see it. But but you know I've seen PG thirteen movies that are that they deal with subject matter in a, in a better way. It, mm-hmm. But you know that's that's a real nitpick. Mm-hmm. I could kind of go off on that because ultimately I don't necessarily think this movie writes the rules for blockbusters mm, just no. because it was so popular. But uh, because I, I do think this is a really entertaining and it's a really fun movie uh, to watch. It's just to turn it on and kind of sit back and enjoy it. You don't have to pay super close attention. It would be fun to watch with your family because it's not too violent. It's not too uh, childish or anything. Although maybe it would be a little extreme for younger kids, I think. Mm-hmm. I can see, yeah. The one, the first scene where that SWAT team kind of descends on the Indominus Rex or whatever it's called. That that scene, that was yeah, that was pretty intense. <laughs> pretty intense moment, but yeah, I had no idea that um, Colin Colin Trevenow, Safety Not Guaranteed. That was a really freaking good movie. Yeah, I, I liked like that, that a lot. lot. Yeah, it's cool seeing him uh, get to do a big movie like this. Yeah, going and up he... the ladder. Now he's even a big, bigger movie down the pike. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. Uh, I mean, uh, seeing how successful this was, it doesn't surprise me that much. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, what would you, uh, if you had to rate this movie, what would you give it? Right between a 6 and a 7, a 6.5. Okay. That's exactly what I would give it. Definitely a 6.5. The first time I saw it, I would have given it way lower. Mm-hmm. But uh, watching it again, I kind of was like, just lighten up, Ethan. Come yeah. on, this is supposed to be a fun movie. People who don't necessarily watch a lot of movies can watch and enjoy. And that's perfectly fine. I think that's good. There's a place for this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't love it, but I, I'm far from hating it. Yeah. So. But uh, enough people loved it to make one point, one point, just about $1.7 billion. Yep. <laughs> and does that even include, like... Like, you know, merchandise sales or anything like that? I'm not sure. I don't know about Good that. Good lord, that's a lot of money. But, uh, but on to our other film news today. The um, Screen Actors Guild announced their um, 2016 list of nominees. Right, and the Screen Actors Guild, for, for people who don't... Well, first of all, this is award season for movies. We're at the end of 2015. Yep. Going towards the end of the year and into the new year. Uh, it's always an exciting time for, for movie fans uh, who follow this sort of thing because... This is the time where we start seeing major awards company or different awards organizations and et cetera start to announce their nominations, their winners. Mm-hmm. And the Screen Actors Guild is one of the biggest of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should also say, at least for me, you should never take these awards too seriously because ultimately they don't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. It's just for me, I, I equate my obsession with following awards every year with how some people get really into college basketball. 
it's fun to do. Does it really matter? Is Are your favorite movies going to win? Probably not. Are the best movies going to win? Probably not. But it's still fun, so I think it's fun to talk about, and we can definitely talk about the Screen Actors Guild uh, Award nominees, because it's an interesting bunch this mm-hmm. year. And you said, too, that there's no real favorite at the top. Right. This year, it's been uh, it's been real hard to, to, to peg down a front-runner for, you know, possible best picture, best actor, or anything. But the, the Screen Actors Guild Awards are a little bit different because they don't necessarily have a best film or best director. Since it is the Screen Actors Guild, it's all acting categories. Their mm-hmm. best film, if you want to put it that way, their best film category is their best performance by a cast in a motion picture. So basically... So taking all the acting as a whole. Right. Okay. And their nominees this year are uh, Beasts of No Nation, The Big Short, Spotlight, Straight Outta Compton, and Trumbo. And uh, I'm surprised seeing these. There's really only two movies in this list that I personally expected to see on here. Mm -hmm. I expected Spotlight, uh, and I expected uh, maybe Trumbo, but Straight Outta Compton... The Big Short and Beast of No Nation are all surprises to me. Mm-hmm. Beast of No Nation being a Netflix-produced film. that's kind of, in a way, groundbreaking. That is in a huge way groundbreaking. Yeah. The Big Short is directed by Adam McKay of Step Brothers fame. An amazing cast in this movie, too. So I guess I'm not super surprised with that, but I honestly wasn't expecting much from that movie. But apparently it's got a pretty good cast. Spotlight, which we talked about last week, definitely, deserves, definitely deserves to be here. Straight Outta Compton, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm happy to see it on here. Just because I heard pretty much universally that the, the acting in this movie is incredible. Mm-hmm. And the casting was just great. And then uh, Trumbo, again, uh, that one's got Brian Cranston and Helen Mirren. And that's a true story about a screenwriter back in the time when uh, people were being blacklisted for being labeled as communists. Nice cam, yeah. Just a really interesting group of nominees that really shakes up what a lot of people thought was going to be a pretty predictable. A lot of categories, and it's just really interesting seeing the variety of actors. Like, if you look at the performance by a female actor in a leading role, the biggest surprise name you see on here is Sarah Silverman for a movie called I Smile Back, which I've never even heard of. To this point, I I was just reading that thinking, what what the heck is that? Yeah, well, and and she's a comedic actress, Mm -hmm. and she's a stand-up comedian, so seeing her in for this major award is very unique. Um, but but I guess just in general, movies like Room, Carol, Brooklyn, uh, The Big Short, Beasts of No Nation, Bridge of Spies, these are all major movies that I think people expected to see in for these awards, but not necessarily these specific individuals. And yeah. uh, it's just it's really confounding how if not if not if you just look at the Screen Actors Guild Awards, but uh, really all of the Critics Association Awards and everything, mm-hmm. it's just been totally unpredictable this year. With there there's no front runner. Last yeah. year I would have been able to name two or three movies that when the Screen Actors Guild nominations came out, these were the front runners. Mm-hmm. But I look at this here, and I'm confused because people are here who weren't necessarily predicted to be here. Mm-hmm. So it's just really interesting. So And this is a pretty serious awards ceremony. Absolutely. From what I understand. Yes, the, the Oscars are the top dog. They're yep. the biggest one. Then probably one step down you have the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. And then from that you have the Directors Guild, the uh, Screen Actors Guild, the Producers Guild, and the Writers Guild. Those are the major ones. So this is one of the biggest categories. And so a lot of these names on here we can expect to see at the Oscars probably. Yeah. So I, I definitely think if you're interested... Anybody listening, check these uh, nominations out. It's a really wide variety 
yeah. uh, of performances that I wasn't expecting to see. And there's also, for people who don't know, it's not just movies, it's also television. Yep. Comedy series, drama series, and big shows like Game of Thrones, uh, Mad Men, those are all here. Modern Family. House of Cards on there too, I believe. Yes, House of Cards, a yep. lot of the actors in there, they all show up. The TV categories aren't as crazy as the movie categories, but mm -hmm. uh, it's really interesting to see how this particular set of nominations has really shaken up the awards uh, considerations this year. It's pretty exciting because usually it's very predictable. Yeah, and if you want to check out the Screen Actors Guild, all I did was Google Screen Actors Guild Awards and this list popped right up. So right. very, very easy to access. Go check it out. I know a lot of people that still get the Netflix um, DVD mails. I know that's not very popular anymore, mm -hmm. but I know a lot of people will just look, wait till award season and Go down the list. Go down the list, which is a good good way to go because you can see some good stuff. And also, like you said, you can see some stuff that you're like, why the hell was this nominated? Or what was this, right? Yeah. And, and I haven't seen a lot of movies on this list, so mm -hmm. I'm pretty motivated to, to go and see some of these. And like the, the one movie we both mentioned is Beasts of No Nation, which mm -hmm. also got Idris Elba a nomination for Best Supporting Actor here. Mm -hmm. um, and that's available on Netflix Instant. So yep. anybody listening who has Netflix can go watch that right now if you want. Yeah, and I'm racking my brain. They have uh, Netflix Studios has one other movie that's coming out in 2016. Is it the Adam Sandler movie, The Ridiculous no, Six? No, it was. A, it's another. It's like a pretty serious film. Okay. But yeah, that, and that's that is like earth shattering. That Netflix, uh, basically a media provider, came out with a movie that is now nominated by the the SAG, the SAG Awards and probably will get some consideration at the Academy Awards, I'd have to think. We'll, we'll see. I think there's a lot of debate about that. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. Seeing it show up at the Screen Actors Guild, and a lot of the people who vote for these awards are also Academy voters. That's mm -hmm. why it's such a big, uh, big award ceremony. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm sure we'll talk more about some of the major awards uh considerations in their next couple of episodes because it's that time of the year yeah very like you said though very 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 exciting time and exciting time in the here and now for movie releases yeah. like we're in the i think i would say beginning stages of the gauntlet in terms of the quantity and and caliber and and like highly marketed movies that are coming out right now i mean we're one week away you are one week away from from seeing star wars right uh, eight days and I'll be sitting in the theater right about this time mm -hmm. and uh, very excited about that uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll have lots to say about Star Wars if it's good or bad <laughs> yeah and I, I know that people are paying upwards of like a thousand dollars for opening night tickets which to me is kind of dumb because you could always see it the day after I get the energy's not there but yeah that's like, I, you know, I guess in certain I, it's crazy to me thinking I mean we, we, we don't live in a demanding market movie wise mm -hmm. So to me, it's like there's a hundred showings of that movie in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. But in major markets, Chicago, New York, people who live there who are desperate to see it, maybe that's their option. Yeah. I think that's crazy. I would be patient. Yeah, <laughs> and just, yeah. This is going to be the only movie people talk about for, for a couple of weeks. Maybe, though, because yeah. The Hateful Eight's coming out, The Revenant's coming out. There's a lot of big movies coming out. It's pretty big, awesome. Big, big. And I mean, just this week alone, I think there's maybe three, two or three big, fairly big releases. Not that big, but... Next, we're going we're gonna to start doing a thing that, um, for now, we're calling it by the numbers, but uh, we're going to talk about the box office uh, numbers and, and kind of what's what's hot right now, what's making money. Um, so we're going to do the top five, right? Top five, from five to one. Yep. I think is a good way to do that. All right. 
So um, number five, the current is the uh, James Bond classic or not classic, Spectre. Right, and we talked a little bit about this movie um, in previous episodes, speculating on the quality, and I don't mm -hmm. think uh, either of us have seen the movie nope. yet. And, not yet. Uh, so I, we can't really speak to its quality. I've heard mixed to positive things about it. I certainly want to see it myself, but uh, its total box office is about 185 million versus a 245 million dollar budget, and that's just in North America. I don't think it's going to hit its budget in North America, but from what I understand, internationally, this movie is doing Definitely just well. fine. <laughs> and yeah, it closed with a 5.5 million dollars in the past uh, weekend. Um, number four is the. Uh, the boxing movie Creed, which yes. I've heard very good things about. Very good things about. I was surprised to hear such uh, good things about it. I wasn't sure. I mm -hmm. mean, it's another Rocky movie, technically. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it's gotten good reviews, but how's it doing numbers-wise here? Well, it's at uh, $64 million to a $35 million budget. So. And that's after two weeks. After it's made almost weeks. twice its budget back. That's a hit. I mean, Quite that's well. awesome. Yeah, I don't think it was ever number one. At the box office, no. but it didn't need to be. <laughs> a lot of movies are successful floating in that two to five range for about like maybe three or four weeks. You can make make pretty good money. Right. But glad to know Sly is doing all right. Mm -hmm. Number three is a movie we've talked about uh, before on this show, The Good Dinosaur, the um, the latest installment uh, in the Pixar in the Pixar Empire. This yeah. is a <laughs> this is a flap. I think so. I don't think it's a huge flop, but it's certainly Pixar's biggest flop, I would say. Yeah. This movie had, it doesn't say right there, but I believe it had close to a $200 million budget, and as of two weeks, it's only made about $75 million. And I think we might see this float around in the top ten for a couple more weeks, but that's not the kind of money I, I think they were hoping to make. No, and then we talked about off-air that this, this movie, these movies in, in total... Are now going to face the gauntlet of the Revenant, Star Wars, Hateful the Hateful Eight. Eight. You know, I mean, just a lot of big, big releases. So, you know, they were talking about the Good Dinosaur being a total flop for for Pixar. I, I mean, it's not a horror. I mean, it, they're probably not going to lose money for the first time. Maybe uh, in North America, mm -hmm. certainly. I think overall, worldwide, it'll probably make its budget back. But yeah, not doing as good. I think it's just a case of Pixar, for the first time, releasing two movies in one year. They mm -hmm. released Inside Out earlier. Uh, and from what I understand, this movie wasn't nearly as good as Inside Out. Uh, I, I think it was just a... a hey, they, they rushed to get this out or something. I'm not sure what the deal is, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's too bad. I'm sure I'll see it someday. <laughs> <laughs> Number two is a movie I mentioned I was gonna, happy to to see coming out. I haven't seen it yet, but Krampus, the Christmas horror movie, so, somewhat of a rare genre. Um, I netted in a total of $16.3 and it's got a $15 million budget. It's the first week. Right. No worries about this this being a loss. No, that's awesome. Uh, I, I didn't think it was going to make quite this much, but I, I don't think, in retrospect, I'm that surprised that it's doing this well. It's a Christmas movie. It's the perfect time of year for it. Yep. Uh, it doesn't have a huge budget. It, it's got big actors in it. It's got Adam Scott and David Koechner in it. It's mm -hmm. the guy who directed a movie I love called Trick or Treat, which is a great Halloween yep. anthology horror movie. I'm really happy to see this on here and to see it already made back its budget. That's awesome. I think it'll have a pretty steep drop off, but I mean that's all profit from this point on for the, for these guys with Krampus. Yeah, good for them, and of course number one still for a third straight week, The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part, duh, or two. <laughs> yeah, no surprise there. I don't know. Not 
not a big fan of these movies personally. I think they're kind of dull, kind mm -hmm. of forgettable. But uh, yeah. yeah, there it is, number one. I think this is the last time it'll be in that spot. Yeah. Well, maybe this weekend. What's this weekend? No, you know what? I think upcoming this week and is in the heart of the sea, starring Chris Hemsworth. Right. It is. You know what? I think that could potentially make a run for number one this coming week. It could. They've they've marketed it very heavily. Right. And Chris be. Chris Hemsworth sells. He's a big star. He's a big Directed star. by Ron Howard. I think that could be a big, pretty big release. Is there anything else big coming out this week? The Big Short Limited. Um, the Big Short is coming out this week. It's limited release. So oh, if this okay. is limited, I think, nationwide. It's December 18th. I don't quite remember. But I think it's, I think it's coming out in Appleton, where we are. Okay. Well, yeah, and if, for anybody who doesn't know, The Big Short, like I had mentioned before, is directed by Adam McKay. And this movie's got a huge cast. It has uh, Ryan Gosling, Christian Bale, Steve Carell. Uh, it looks pretty entertaining. Brad Pitt and Selena right. Gomez is in there, which is kind of odd. Yeah, she's popped up in movies from time yeah. to time. <laughs> she's kind of had a good year for herself, I think. Yeah. And yeah, two more small ones is... Uh, Boy in the World, which has a much wider wider release, and I thought it's an animated movie that'll probably you'll probably see at the Oscars for uh, best animated feature, huh. is apparently and um, Don Don Verdine, which is the same production team as Napoleon Dynamite, uh, Sam Rockwell, the wonderful Danny McBride, Amy uh, Ryan, and Will Forte. Cool. Total total comedy. I haven't heard of those last two, but hey, those are coming out this week. So maybe if that interests you. Hey, they're coming out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, these, uh, I, I, like you said, I think the top five is going to be constantly changing for the next two, three weeks. Yeah. Well, starting Star Wars, we'll see it number one, even if it's bad. Yeah. Now on to the, I think, the, the most important conversation. Do you think Star Wars is going to break the record of the movie we, we reviewed today for biggest opening weekend ever? Well, and I had mentioned the last couple of weeks that I don't think it was going to, and I still, there's a part of me that doesn't think, just because it's that December release, movies with a winter release typically don't do that well, but I don't know, I'm starting to read more about some of the experts, I was starting to think it might make over 200 million, which would be unusual, but uh, I don't know, I'm a little bit, I'm not sure, I really don't know. I think if there's any movie in the world that could break that record, it's this one, mm -hmm. but uh a couple months ago, I would have said, no, no way is no it going to beat that. Yeah. But just with my own personal level of hype and just the constant discussion and expectations for this movie, I think we might see it happen. Yeah, could be. We might see it happen. Do you know that, what's the total cost to make it, have they said? I don't know. I would have to look that up. It's got to be pretty hefty. I think that can be kind of hard to determine early before a movie's release. Uh, Especially for a bigger movie because it's hard to differentiate between the production cost and then all the money that goes into the marketing. Mm -hmm. And this movie's had a huge amount of marketing. Huge. I, I like to say I kind of live in a bubble in terms of my, my life. I don't I mean I like get out and stuff, but I actually went into a toy section for the first time in had to be years and it was like nothing but Star Wars. That's crazy. That's all the, basically all that was there. So it's showing up TV. Again, now there are Jurassic Park smoothies and blizzards. Now there's Star Wars blizzards. Yeah, it's exciting time. It's like the late 90s all over again. Yeah, it's cool. Well, that's our movie section for this week. We'll uh, take a little break here. Might might refresh my, my drink. 
But uh, when we come back, we'll review uh, Ty Seagal's album, Tyrex, and talk about some music. Yeah, we'll right, right, you know back. Dinosaurs. Oh, dang it, that didn't work. No, but um, <laughs> welcome back in. Uh, we're going to now do our album of the week, which is uh, Ty Seagal's new album, Tyrex, which isn't really new. This is the third time it's been released. Uh, but Ty Seagal is in, considered an alternative musician. Like, um, I think that's kind of the dumping ground for musicians. We don't know what to, how to really classify them. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think he covers... I think you could call them alternative, but really I think it's garage rock, mm -hmm. psychedelic, low fidelity, just kind of a mishmash of rock sounds. Yeah. But he, uh, he originates from California, um, and he's, I think he's had a total of, and this was kind of confusing, he's had eight studio albums, um, he's released um, a number of EPs, uh, three in total, 19 singles, three compilation albums, and one live album. But it's between eight and nine studio albums because it's like one's not credited. Very odd, but definitely a very uh, interesting character. He's well known for playing Fender guitars into Fender amps. That's like his big thing. However, when he tours, he's known to play Les Paul guitars. Um, really, really interesting guy. He has a super cool uh, picture on Apple Music. If you look it up, it's a picture of him like holding a cat and looking yep. like a total weirdo. <laughs> But, he's kind of got long, frizzy hair. Yeah. Looks, his eyes are always wide. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the marketing of the album, I don't think, really summed him up because it has him in kind of like a Johnny Cash type okay. look. But the reality is he's like this dude that wears like tie-dye t-shirts and has kind of long, messed up hair. But what do you think of this album, Tyrex? Well, I think it's hard to even call it just an album. What's well, an EP. Right, right? exactly. Because yeah. it's been released a couple of times. They released it as an EP and then on Record Store Day and then they... Now, now they're re-releasing it kind of as a, I think with the, both of those releases pile on top of each other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I like Ty Seagal in general. I like the low fidelity, psychedelic garage rock sound. That sounds very long-winded, mm -hmm. uh, but I love the sound of music he, he, he makes. It's fuzzy, it's tinny, the production value isn't high. It sounds like it was recorded in a hollow garage lined with sheet metal mm -hmm. uh, uh, so yeah the album has a very rough sound to it uh, and really since this is just an EP it's not necessarily a full album but for the most part I really like this whole album I think it's entertaining I think it's got some decent tracks on it but it's so short that you can throw it on when you're driving home from work or something and it's a good energetic a uh, good energetic piece of music mm -hmm. what do you think I thought, I thought it was good. I think if you listen to this album, you, like you said, it's I, mean, I don't know if it was poorly produced, but you have to kind of take away that. Like, you can't discount him for any of that. I like his album. I think it is it is actually fairly upbeat, even though some of the songs are kind of low-key. Mm -hmm. There's good. There's actually good melody buried under that fuzz. Right. But it, it, it had a good, good sound to it. But I, I, I agree with you. It was so short. Right. Like I listen, and that's why it's called an extended play. It's not an album, but right. I listened to it. I threw my headphones on 
and it was like 20 minutes later, I was like, that's that's it? Like, I was like, <laughs> what, what the heck? You know, normally I'm used to right. like 40 minutes to an hour. But I like his sound. I think it's very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's for everybody. I don't think he could ever gain mass appeal. He's oh, got relative no. mass appeal, but... Well, especially with the way he produces most of his music. And I would say that this release is more fuzzy, and it's more lo-fi, meaning it's just got a lower fidelity. It's got a lower sound quality. Mm-hmm. I think this one has a lower sound quality than his other albums, but that's intentional here. It's almost like you're sitting in the room next to the music that the music is being played in. Yeah, that's a good. <laughs> that's a really, really good description. But yeah, I'd be interested to know how he how he recorded it. Um, I think his only downfall in this is there's like little, again, little pieces where it was overproduced or he put something in that just didn't fit. I think after the um, Buick McCain, the second song, like at the end he has that like skid. Like that just, I I was listening to the song and like this is an awesome song, but then there's like this skid that occurs. It's hard to nitpick on like three seconds, but it just threw me off. Um, Then he did some echoing in there that just didn't, work for me i just didn't i heard it and i was like this is, i don't know what he's trying to do here but you know it's it's probably in his in the eye of it's in the eye of the beholder so right i mean this is like we both said it's short but he covers blues psychedelica mm-hmm. acoustic rock punk rock everything's going on there's super high energy tracks there's low energy tracks uh some of the more higher energy tracks uh, like you would mentioned uh buick mccain uh, Woodland Rock, I thought, was a more upbeat one. That one kind of had some Psycho Billy Rock stuff mm-hmm. going on, and it had a good guitar solo in it. Uh, also, the song 20th Century Boy was really high energy. Mm-hmm. That was uh, almost a straight-up punk, punk rock song, mm-hmm. I thought. That one that one it was one of my favorites on the album. But then you have lower energy tracks. You have uh, one of the songs in here is called The Slider. That's more of a bluesy-type track. Yep. Uh, there's Cat Black, which is almost a sing-songy acoustic ballad. I really like that one. But uh, my favorite track overall on this was the song Elemental Child. Mm-hmm. And that's the longest song on the album. I believe it was close to five minutes long. Uh, good in their own way. A lot of the songs here are just kind of one note. They have yeah. maybe one or two riffs that are repeated for a couple minutes, and there's not a whole lot done beyond that. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a really, really interesting character. He's got a really tight relationship with like Pitchfork. Right. He's really tight with them. Um, actually, his uh, re-release the second time around on record day 2013, mm-hmm. um, he sent them a VHS of the record, if that makes any sense. That's weird. It was like this video of him talking, and then it like fuzzes out, and the rest is a TV screen that's just fuzzy with the album playing. He seems like the guy who would record it on... I don't even know what he would use, but then he would take that recording and put it up to like an old 1980s, 1990s like tape recorder, re-record it on the tape recorder, and then release the version he recorded on the tape recorder. Yeah. And I know we're saying a lot about the sound is, is bad, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's bad. It's just, it adds to the heady nature of the sound he goes for. And really all of his, if you listen to more of his studio albums, that's what he aims for. He aids, He aims for this very heady, this rock, this this claustrophobic, tight-feeling sound that's mm-hmm. kind of like you're in a cloud a little bit. And I really personally like that, although some people who like pristine, perfect production will yeah. find it just grating. Yeah, and that's the thing is it'll make you think like your speakers are screwed up because it's got, it doesn't sound quite right, but it, that's what he was aiming for, and he, he definitely achieved that. I have a term I use called fog rock. Which right, is, that's was, good. That's what I call this kind of music. But this is like what music sounded like probably like what thirty years ago. 
30. Come on, no. 20, 40. I don't even know. But no. it, back in the day, like, it was different. But I, what, what would you grade this? Uh, well, I had some trouble with this because I love the overall sound. I like the fuzzy, the, the production on it, the energy, a couple of really good songs. But like I said, a lot of it's repetitive. Mm -hmm. It's super short. Just when you're really kind of waiting for the next thing, it's over. Uh, so I, I kind of went back and forth on it, but I think I need to give it a 7 out of 10 because, uh, man, it's quick. It's good for a ride. It's a good kind of wacky little rock album. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, I had a 7.5 for nice. largely the same reasons, and I downgraded it like a point or a point and a half based on just, there were just little things that he did that just didn't fit, I felt like. Like the echoing was one thing, that skid off, and just sound effects here and there throughout it. Well, right, and even with that, the very last track on here is called The Motivator, mm -hmm. and the way that ends and ends the entire album, it's very, it's, it's, a, a, it's, it's a quieter song, it's more of a ballad, but the end kind of trails off in its own little jam, and then it just has this weird high-pitched sound and cuts off. And while I think that that's kind of interesting in some ways, and kind of jarring in other ways, it's kind of, it makes me feel like, well, he didn't have any idea, any other ideas, so he kind of just ended it. <laughs> yeah, and who knows? He's he's probably a person, or he strikes me as a person who's very deep inside of his mind. All right, and, and, and you know, we mentioned this is an EP. This does seem like a collection of songs he maybe didn't know how to, to write the rest of, and it's kind of just this fun little listen, because I think if, you wanna, if you've want to, if you never heard Ty Seagal before, this wouldn't necessarily be the best starting place. I would personally recommend his album Manipulator mm -hmm. as a really good starting point and, uh, that, that's much more accessible, uh, much more complete in terms of its songwriting. Yeah, but overall, I mean, it's good. It's yeah. sharp, but it's it, it works. I thought it'd be good for just like kind of sitting back and kicking back and listening to a record yeah for sure the one song the one song 20th century boy though that feels like it could be blasted in some party when everybody's really drunk there you go and people will just be like what's happening right now that's the best that's the best kind of music man <laughs> no but yeah overall good but i guess it was originally released as a six a six song album three aside and then um it was seven and now it's nine yep nine songs so yep third release but the other big music thing that's that just happened is they released the um, the Grammy Awards, right. the, the nominees. Um, the big one that everyone always talks about is Album of the Year. Um, do you want me just to go through them, or? Yeah, some of the let's go through some of the made the very major ones. Okay, so Album of the Year was Alabama Shakes, so, uh, Sound and Color, uh, Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly, Chris Stapleton Traveler, Taylor Swift 1989, and The Weeknd. Beauty Behind the Madness. Yeah. There they are. There they are. What would you, so if you had to pick one of those five, what would you pick for best album of the year? Well, I'd, I'd probably pick Kendrick Lamar, but I, I have no idea, and this is going to sound really bad, I have no idea who Chris Stapleton is. Whoa! Okay. Now, and he's kind of become a big deal in just the last couple of weeks because he... I believe he really randomly won at the Country Music Awards for Best New Artist. Mm -hmm. And it confused a lot of people because nobody heard of him. But I had a couple people send me some of his songs, and he's actually really good. Okay. Now, he, he's labeled as country, but he doesn't have a twangy voice. It's very, to me, more like an Allman Brothers uh, type, type southern rock with, with very soulful, kind of gravelly 
I, I actually, I haven't listened to the entire album of Traveler, but to see him pop up kind of shows how just in the last month, there's just been this huge spike in interest for this guy. So yeah. it's cool to see him there. I can't really speak for the album either because I haven't heard it, but it's kind of cool because from what I have heard of him, I, I like him. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, to me, and honestly, I think what could win is Taylor Swift 1989. I, I haven't listened to that album. I don't plan on it, but... Um, she, yeah, I feel like every they they nominate her every, every year. single year, and she's lost the last two years. Yeah, so but I mean, Kendrick Lamar is the only album to Pimp Butterfly is the only one that did anything. And then again, I haven't listened to Chris Stapleton, so I don't know. Um, the weekend, give me a break. But yeah, at, I, well, I would also agree though with Kendrick Lamar. He would be my pick. Yeah, uh, Pimp Butterfly is, is definitely one of my favorites of the year. And maybe that sounds old because. Everybody's been hyping this album for months Forever. and months, but man, it's good. <laughs> so I'm in concert. He rocked it out. But um, Alabama Shakes, to me, doing the same thing they've been doing. Yeah, well, I think I had mentioned before that they, they're kind of that cool rock band who people who say, oh, they haven't made any good music in 30 years are the one band that people like that will like, mm -hmm. which is kind of a shame because I think there's other bands doing the same kind of thing better. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people like it, so more power to them. Yeah. And then uh, Song of the Year, Kendrick Lamar, All Right, Taylor Swift, Blank Space, Little Big Town, Girl Crush, Wiz Khalifa, Khalifa featuring Charlie Puth, uh, See You Again, and Ed Sheeran, Thinking Out Loud. Again, I would go with Kendrick Lamar here. Probably. That would be my pick. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, this stuff confuses me a little bit, though, just because, like, the next category here is record of the year. Mm -hmm. And I guess I've, I don't know if you know this, but what's the distinction there between song or album and record? That was going to be my question for you, <laughs> is what's, what's the difference? Because these are all singles. Yeah, for I the guess most part. I, I, I'm sure we could pretty easily figure this out by Googling it, but I don't really care to. Um, I, I just think it's kind of weird how they don't make more of a distinction because I feel like a lot of people who watch these make even less of an effort than we mm -hmm. are when it comes to differentiating this. Yeah. But uh, again, in this category, it's a lot of the same people we just mentioned. Yeah. I think Best New Artist is super interesting. Right. Courtney Barnett, who you turned me on to. Yes, I love and her. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. James Bay, I, to be honest, I don't know him. Sam Hunt, I know of. He's a, a country artist. Um, Tori Kelly, I think, is, is very, very talented. Megan Trainer, She's had a boatload of hits, and that's about all I, I say about I her. I think she's unlistenable. But, but um, um, Courtney yeah, Barnett gets my vote there. Gifted. Very gifted. Her, her album she released this year called, what's it called? Uh, sometimes I Sit and Think and Sometimes I Just Sit. Mm -hmm. That is essential listening. That is a great, 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 great album. album. But yeah, I don't I don't know if James Bay. Tori Kelly is a very gifted vocalist. I don't know. She kind of she's I mean she's kind kind of behind the veil of uh, pop music, but she's um, she's very very talented. I, I don't know if she's had I think two hits that charted. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've never heard of James Bay before. I don't know who that is. Yeah, it's it's cool to see. I like the best new artist category because it does give. Uh... Some of these unknowns, uh, a place to shine, and seeing an artist like Courtney Barnett make it in here is mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah, she'll be there. I think the most interesting category for me is Best Music Film, um, which has some pretty interesting f uh, f <laughs> food fighters. Food fighters. <laughs> he typed, instead of food fighters, he typed food fighters. <laughs> the food fighters, no. So, wait, so what is this now? So the category the best is... Is Best uh, Music Film, and then I think I lumped in the Best Score. 
Okay. But uh, best music film as uh, the Foo Fighters, Sonic Highways, James Brown, Mr. Dynamite, The Rise of James Brown, uh, Nina Simone, What Happened, Miss Simone, which is a very interesting documentary. I've seen it. Um, uh, Roger Waters, The Wall, and Amy Winehouse, Amy. Yeah, that's cool. I've seen Amy and I've seen Sonic Highways out of mm-hmm. all. Anyway, I mean, I know the general conceit of Roger Waters, The Wall. I'm a big Pink Floyd fan. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what's going on with that album in in, in uh, particular, but uh, it's kind of an interesting category. So best music film means a film about music, apparently. Entirely about music. Because these are all sort of documentaries about... About music. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a cool category. It's yeah. probably one that they won't... Um, show any on television during the broadcast but it's yeah. cool to see uh somebody like nina simone <laughs> yeah make it in a category like this and that was a, honestly a very well laid out documentary they they oh, really see. yeah they really dug deep in terms of like concert footage and they dug up a lot of stuff from like private performances one thing if you watch that movie she was like out of her mind well like yeah totally out of her mind but yeah, I've, I've not seen Sonic Highways, and I've, I've definitely not seen James Brown, Mr. Dynamite, The Rise of James Brown, but... Um, right. Yeah, and I thought that was... that they I did not know that they even had a category for this. Well, there's if you look at the complete list of Grammy nominations, it's pretty crazy how specific... They, they go down to as specific as best packaging for, like, a deluxe vinyl reissue. I mean, it gets ridiculous. It's stuff like that. And they maybe air ten of their awards, which yeah. makes sense, of course. Because you got it's a marketing point right, at that right, point. Right. But, but wait, wait a minute now. Let's let's talk about this last category you have here: best score soundtrack for visual media. Is the best score? It's, I get it, but okay. So the nominations are Birdman, The Imitation Game, Interstellar, The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. Mm-hmm. And you put, I hope, Whiplash. Wins? Yeah, because that's like that's gonna. Did be you not a good hear score. the soundtrack for Interstellar? I can't say when I watch that movie. You are necessarily out of your freaking to brain. <laughs> that is the best soundtrack that came out. I love the movie Whiplash. I like that movie better. Yeah. But man, the music in Interstellar was out of this world. Just yeah. the organ and oh man, I had oh, I loved it. That's, I, I gotta re. I have to rewatch that. I have yeah. to borrow it from you. Whiplash was cool though. That was you know mostly yeah. jazz music. And but that's it. some of these movies that are in lumped into the Grammy cat. They they were out a while ago. They've been out for a while. But right, it was a different cycle. Right, I'm not movies. sure what their date cycle is because I've thought that about that in the past when you see the best album of the year nominations and it feels like well, that album came out like forever ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, well, that's an interesting. It's unfortunate that some of those categories won't get more attention. But yeah. I suppose they give those out at the Oscars too. And what will no Oscar last year for best score? Oh, I don't remember what it was. Uh, I know Interstellar didn't win. Oh, I think it was Desplat, Alexandre Desplat for the Grand Budapest Hotel. And he's my favorite film composer. (laughs) What? Deep. We go deep on this show. (laughs) I'm just saying. We're talking about film scores. No, that had a good score. I remember that. Yeah. That is is an amazing film. Yeah, I listened to a lot of that guy in college when I studied. (laughs) Anyways. There's a a lot of thinking goes into that. So, ending with Obsessions. Yeah. Off of the, the award circuit and onto obsessions. What are you obsessed about right now? Well, this week I'm really obsessed with my new Blu-ray of the movie Mahala Drive. Yep. I um, have been wanting to own this movie forever, and it was just one where I, I like to buy movies on Blu-ray, right? And there was never a real proper North American release of this movie. And if, for anybody who doesn't know the movie Mahala Drive, uh, it came out in the early 2000s, and it's directed by... 
the, the infamous David Lynch and it stars uh, uh, Nat uh, Naomi Watts mm -hmm. and uh, among some other people and it's a very he, I mean it's a surrealist film straight up just a very nonlinear heady crazy movie but it's a fascinating movie and uh, I've been waiting for a proper blu-ray release of it and luckily a company called the Criterion Collection released it just a couple of weeks ago and they are kind of the cream of the crop when it comes to home media. Mm -hmm. their, their releases are often the definitive releases of movies and for this movie to have received uh, the Blu-ray treatment from them is spectacular. It, they clean the movies up gorgeously. It's actually a 4K transfer on this Blu-ray. There's a plethora of bonus features. It's just an amazing movie. I got it the other day in the mail. I watched it that night and just the, the last couple of nights whenever I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna sit back and watch a movie. I know I should be watching new stuff, but my, my gaze just goes back to, to Mulholland Drive and I just want to watch it again. I might even watch it again later tonight. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's a fascinating movie and it's it really... A, yeah, a really, really good movie. Right. And hope maybe in the future we'll talk about that movie. We will. Might make an appearance on an Obsession special. Uh, we'll okay. see. We'll that's see. A, that's a topic for a different time. For a different, for a different day. So what are you obsessed with this week? Again, I'm usually you're pretty linear. I'm way out there. Um, I, I've been obsessed with and studying the effectiveness of the America's most or FBI most wanted list, like their current their one? current one, and kind of just reading what these individuals have done. If they get caught, how they get caught, and there's there every single person on that list, and everything single person that's been on that list is an amazing story. Okay, like they're always an amazing story. They've escaped and gotten away and. They've been in hiding in the U.S. for like 10 years and all, I'm pretty sure all those are like movie material. You could possibly make those into a movie somehow, but okay. just interesting stories. And I've been just reading story after story after story after story. Well, that's kind of cool. I know that's an interesting topic to delve into because mm -hmm. it's always changing. These people are always yep. getting caught or getting killed or, or something like that. So I, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you a thing about it. Every yeah. now and then I'll see a movie that's based on FBI most wanted character mm -hmm. but so you're up to date on that that's yes and some of these stories are just out there what what these guys have a done and then b how they got away but but that's it but um so that's pretty much all we have for this episode but if you can't get enough if you still want more if you want another hour i don't know how you'd get it through social media but we're on social media so i'm getting to all right um facebook you can find us weekly neurosis twitter at weekly neurosis Instagram at weekly neurosis at weekly neurosis. Yes, we're on all three and we're uh, Giving good updates there where mm -hmm. throughout the week. We'll be saying what what movie we'll be watching what album we'll be watching So hopefully if you're following us on there and you want to listen uh, To the album we talk about or see the movie we talk about you can uh, try to catch up with us uh, All of our reviews for the movies are spoiler free. Yep um, so you don't necessarily have to worry about that but uh, if you want to stay current following us on Instagram Facebook or Twitter it's a good way to get updates on what we're doing mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully down the road doing a little bit of interaction with everybody asking some questions uh, maybe doing some polls seeing if there's certain movies people want us to watch mm -hmm. especially on really crowded weeks I mean the the possibilities are endless but that's the place to find us yeah we're on there we'll communicate with you and heck we'll even give you a shout out yeah if, if it gets to it but that's it for this episode um, Week number three, done with, and we'll see what week number four theme yet to be determined. To be determined. TBD. That's dinosaurs, though. That's dinosaurs. Jurassic World and Tyrex. Hope you're not depressed anymore from evil and doubt.
No. Here's some dinosaurs for you. All right, everybody, have a good night.